Hey, did you hear about beer? It's good for what ails ya. It's Schmanners. Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? You know, it's really nice when you do the show. Yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm presenting this week. You are presenting. I'm in charge. Uh, so, listen, let me give you... I feel relaxed. Uh-huh. I feel funny. Uh, in a good way. Oh, okay. funny haha. Not like, ooh, what's that? Not funny, oh no. Because if you feel like, ooh, what's that? It might be that there's a baby flipping around in your tummy. <laughs> That's true. So there this, is a baby flipping around in my tummy. This week we're talking about beer and specifically ales. Yes. Because I don't know if you all know this, there's a lot of different kinds of beer. Uh-huh. Um, and I went into this thinking I knew a lot about beer. And I, listen, I do. But. I did not really... You, you know enough about beer to get you through a grocery aisle. Yeah, or like a bar, you know. Here, okay, gather around, younglings. Uh, <laughs> recently turned 21. Oh, wait. Um, content warning. Oh. Alcohol. Yes, yeah, so we're going to be talking a lot about alcohol usage uh, and consumption and that kind of thing. If That's you couldn't tell from the, from the title. Yes. Um, so there used to be a time where you would walk into a bar... And they would have on tap like two, maybe three beers. And those beers would almost always be like uh, like Bud Light, Miller Light, and maybe like, maybe like a, uh, a Blue Moon, maybe, right? Mm-hmm. And Blue Moon was like the kind of fancy what about option. What about old Milwaukee? Okay, That's- you're going way back because that was like your grandfather's favorite. <laughs> that beer. was my grandpa's favorite beer. Some of my my best memories of him are sitting in his chair listening to the baseball game on the radio, even though they had a TV. I don't know, and he would drink uh, Old Milwaukee from one hand and V8 from the other. Gross. Now, <laughs> no, I say that I've I've had. Uh, beer and, and beer in a in a Bloody Mary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that too. It's just funnier to say gross when you say something like that. <laughs> now, but here's the thing: in this day and age, it is not uncommon. In fact, I would say it is more common than not to walk into a bar and have ten or more beers on tap. Didn't we go to one that was like twenty seven beers I've, on tap? I've or been something. to one where it was like forty eight, like sixty, like a just bar foot like all they do is beer all they do is beer 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 no matter and that can be really overwhelming and really intimidating and so i was thinking about it of like it's not necessarily a though there is some etiquette to it an etiquette procedure so much as like we just did like a whole series on charcuterie mm-hmm. of like hey don't be overwhelmed by this it's not as hard as it seems and so i thought This is another thing like that of like, this can be, this can seem really overwhelming. Um, But another thing that I've been really excited about seeing this kind of craft beer revolution in my lifetime 
is beer has also become kind of a classier viewed thing. That's true. I guess when when I think about the old times of beer, it seems kind of like the the lower class it's what's the lower class can afford right? right or it's what they prefer i mean you would never see like in mad men like J- don draper going to you know a fancy lunch and ordering a beer well that's one of my favorite television tropes <laughs> is, are you talking about the part in parks and recreation is like i'm pretty boring I'll just have a beer. Well, yeah, but also, haven't you ever noticed when characters go to a bar, they don't, they might ask for a mixed drink, but when they ask for a beer, they say, hey, two beers. I'll have a beer. (laughs) A lot of that's copyright stuff. So I wanted to talk and kind of give you, listen, I'm not going to be able to go into everything, right? This is Hey, baby, I understand. Right. But I'm going to try to arm you Mm -hmm. with enough confidence that you could at least walk into like a, a craft brewing place or a brewery or a bar with a ton of tabs and be taps, excuse me, and be able to like speak confidently. So let's go. This week we're going to focus on ales. And there's really two dominant types of beer. Like if you're looking at the, you know, kingdom, what is it? Kingdom, phylum, genus, oh, species man. stuff. I don't remember the order. I don't even remember. But like the top of the list, it's like ales. Loggers and then like miscellaneous, oh, okay, right? Okay, but so we're gonna focus on ales today. Um, and ale is a British word that dates back almost a thousand years. Um, and let's just put the tiger on the table and yell at it. Pale, what? Ale, I know it's a thing for my brother. My brother, <laughs> pale ale was just a general name for a long time that described anything that wasn't as dark as porter. Right? Oh, okay. So that's where the term pale ale. The golden usually... hue. Right. As opposed to the brown Well, basically hue. anything that wasn't like that opaque yeah. brown porter. So ale, like we said, a thousand years. But but the brewing tradition is far older. Of course. Like if because you had to guess, probably. I mean, as old as grain. Yeah. So recorded <laughs> history at least 7,000 years old, right? Yeah, but because might even be older. I mean, I've always heard that one way to make potable water is to turn it into beer because so, yes, the, we'll get the into that. alcohol and the fermentation and blah 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 makes it better to eat or drink. Okay, so we'll get into that. Okay, so, okay. Um, Seven thousand years ago, we found evidence that they were brewing beer in Iran, um, and these beers were often thick uh, and more like gruel than a drink. So somewhere between beer and bread. Yes, right? Yeah. And they would use straws to drink because, like, all the solids and stuff would settle at the top, and they would drink the beer-like drink that was in the bottom. Um, and it was so important, this this grain, graining, beery drink, uh, that there are some who believe there was a, a theory put forth in 1868 by a guy named James Death, which... Whoa, <laughs> what an unfortunate <laughs> name. But he put forth a theory that in in the Bible, when they talk about manna from heaven, mm-hmm. you know, like that, like the heavenly bread that God gave the Israelites, that it was like a porridge like beer is what they were referring to. Huh. OK, yeah. I um, can dig it. So it wasn't until the Middle Ages, right, that beering moved to monasteries, because for a long time, brewing was exclusively a woman's job uh, done in the home 
Uh, they would do it like in their home and it would be very specific for like local families and local. That like- makes complete sense, especially if you go back to our whiskey episode where we talk about where most like Irish homes had their own still for whiskey. OK, now let's get it because I, I didn't put a place in this because I was just waiting to bring it up. But let's talk about the difference between beer making beer and making spirits. Okay. Right? When we talked in our like spirits episode, you know, whiskey, it's dangerous as heck for like many reasons. One, the evaporation for yeah, sure. You're basically creating an explosive like fume, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so that is a problem. It's difficult to get right. And if it catches fire, you did. It could be a big problem. And two, once you're done, the possibility of creating an alcohol content so high that it's poisonous to drink is not, it's not unlikely, right? right. Now, when you're making- Well, especially, we learned about the head and the heart right. and, and all that's and the foot. So, like, even within the same batch, mm-hmm. the alcohol content varies wildly. Now, when you're creating beer, it is comparably- a much safer process. Basically, what you're doing is like you boil the water with like the grains and the you know malt and the hops in it and stuff. You make right? the porridge, right? And then you let it cool a little bit and you add the yeast and then it just sits, right? That's if you're doing like a yeast beer. But is that the mash? The stuff I just called porish, porridge. Yeah, okay. mash. So, but basically, it's like you're not creating any fumes and like. The strongest your beer might end up being is like 12 point, 12%, maybe, maybe, right? And if the yeasts are feeling happy that day, right? And so that's the thing is like, it was, it's just, it's, it's easy to get it wrong, mm-hmm. right? But when you get it wrong, the chance that somebody dies are very slight, right? Well, it might be more like food poisoning, right? right? Correct. Yeah. So, uh, then, uh, it moved from in the home uh, with women making beer to being something done in monasteries, and it turned into big business. During the Middle Ages, nearly half of London's exports were beer. Mm-hmm. Right. So ale was an important source of nutrition in the medieval world as well. It was one of three main sources of grain in the medieval diet, along with pottage and bread. Pottage is like stew, you know, like really thick kind of it sits there for a long time a lot of stuff in it yeah stew. that's that's kind of like porridge yes that it the words are very similar they're interchangeable <laughs> uh in many ways so uh the get this this is how important beer was as far as a a uh a, uh a cultural yes and nutritional uh the monks at westminster abbey consumed guess how much ale a day um okay let me think. Are we going empirical measure? So like pints and stuff? Well, pints how, and... we're Americans. Answer the question. Uh, let, let's go for three gallons a day. Well, that's too much. A gallon. But oh. still, <laughs> you went to, oh, this is each individual monk is consuming a gallon, gallon of, of ale day. a day. Now, uh, traditionally, British ale was brewed using only barley, yeast, and water. And then hops arrived in the 15th century. Change the game, right? Makes it tasty, right? Now, here's the thing. When we talk about them drinking a gallon of ale a day, 
that probably doesn't mean what we think it means, right? You can find a lot of like, this person drank two gallons a day. And, and like, especially, I always think of Falstaff mm-hmm. from Shakespeare. Of Like, there's a lot of reference of how much he drank. But here's the thing. Everyone drank beer in the Middle Ages. If you have ever heard the term small beer, which Falstaff referenced, it means watered down beer. It was also called table beer or mild beer. Um, and everyone drank it, including kids. And they drank it with every meal, and it was healthier than water. Now, here's the thing. It was highly nutritious and contained just enough alcohol to act as a preservative and provide hydration, but it didn't really get you drunk, right? Yeah. So this is there wasn't like there was like all these stumbling toddlers around. Like, it, it was like kind of like, I guess, like kombucha would be a good comparison or something oh, okay. like that. Like, it was very, very, very mildly alcoholic um and it would have been consumed daily now here's the thing the reason it was healthier is because like i said you would like boil the water to make mm-hmm, it like you would mm-hmm. you would basically cook it but there's no evidence that anybody knew that right or germ that, theory of disease doesn't no. come along for a long time you know in the middle ages no one was saying we need to drink small beer because it's healthier for us, everybody just drank it, right? right. Like, people just didn't drink water. Because um, water had, like, bacteria and pathogens yeah, that could really get you sick. They didn't know that. And that's right. the thing is, like, right. also, when we talk about it being healthier, it had nothing to do with the alcohol content. The alcohol content just wasn't high enough. And, it was, but it was preservative. It, yes, but it came from the brewing is what killed off the bacteria. Okay. Now, bottled ale as we know it actually came out it supposedly by mistake in 1568. I love when I read about that kind of yes. stuff where it's like, I'm just messing around in my kitchen. Look what happened. I'm also always of the opinion that when it when they can pinpoint something like bottling beer to one dude doing something <laughs> like, okay, this is probably representative of a lot of people making a similar discovery. Yes. There's no way one dude went Eureka! And like in 1568, it spread throughout. But anyway, supposedly, a man poured his ale into a sealed bottle so he could go fishing, and he left one bottle by the riverbank, and when he returned days later, he found out, it's still drinkable. Uh, We'll see. So, up until the 18th century, beer in England was mostly deep brown or black in color, but as malting technology improved, suddenly brewers had the ability to control the roast and flavor of beer. And this is when pale ales as a style began to take off uh, and it rocketed into the late 18th century as well as the 1800s. Uh, and this is when we started to see like micro brews and local breweries. And like wine, beer can be specifically can like take on different profiles depending on the land, the weather, the environment, all of those things. All of that makes complete sense. Correct. So uh, it throughout history... Ale, it's been close to our hearts, right? During both world wars, access to raw materials uh, that were needed to make fancier beers were restricted because all materials were restricted during the world wars. And it caused the alcohol content in English beers to decline. And because of this, the easy drinking ale uh, became popular even into 1960 as the alcohol taxes increased in Britain. But we've skipped over a, a defining era in alcohol in the USA what is it? What's the defining era of alcohol? Oh, in prohibition. The prohibition, correct. Now, prohibition had a permanent impact 
on the USA beer industry. Before Prohibition, there were almost 1,400 brewers in operation in the U.S. Commercial brewers? Yes. Okay. After Prohibition, only 164 remained. And those were all by special, like, uh, like they, allowance. They had, yeah, they had right? to have, like, permission from the government to keep operating. Because during because the time... beers were considered medicinal. Yes, there were medicinal beers sold. And, like, <laughs> this is, just anecdotally, I can say that it, Prohibition had a huge impact on Cincinnati. Because in Cincinnati, the brewing industry was huge before right. Prohibition. And after Prohibition, there was, like, one brewery left open. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like the idea of taking my little prescription down to CVS and saying, I need six beers for today. Thank listen, you, if you want to learn more about that, Sawbones, yeah. whole episode about beer as medicine. <laughs> now, uh, so after Prohibition, um, a generation that had known nothing but soft drinks didn't like the Bavarian style like beers that were popular in, the, in America before Prohibition. Um, so... The American beer became less full of character than traditional beer styles. And that's when we started your Bud Lights, your Miller Lights, your not. Listen, if you're listening to this and you're like, I like Bud Light. I like my. OK, cool. But at a time, it was all America drank because it was drinkable. Right. Like it was just like it was I, like lowest common denominator. Exactly. It's what sells. Because they were like, "Ooh, what's it flavor? Ooh, 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 ooh. Nope. This is complicated. I don't want this. And this is why, like, when we think of beer, people looking for like a flavorful thing often turn towards spirits. Right. And this really didn't change until 1979 with the legalization of home brewing and the growth of craft brewing. Uh, and now we're starting to see like. Right flavors again and i found a fun fact by the way while i was reading about prohibition that has nothing to do with beer but spirit this is a a quote quote spirits also entered the united states from the west indies the rum runner bill mccoy became so famous for the quality of his liquor that the real mccoy entered the language to describe the genuine article oh that's great interesting so in the late 1970s the craft beer revolution gained momentum and it became the the big hipster boom of the pale ale. You know what? I remember when you tried to homebrew, and they think that the thing you were lacking is patience. Correct. <laughs> um, well, I just didn't have time. It was when my schedule was too busy. I've wanted to try it again now that like I have a Saturday or two off sometime. Right? Yeah. I could do. I was always like, well, I got forty five minutes free, and it takes forty five minutes to do this. <laughs> Hi, Vivi. Vivi's watching Peppa Pig over in the corner. Pay no attention to Vivi. <laughs> what um, was the flavor that you made that got real skunked? It was real bad. All of them. All, all of, of them. Oh, oh, all of them. <clears throat> so, the, the pale... Hi, Vivi. So, the style of the pale ale was approachable and balanced, and people started to get... Like, it was a fine transition from pale ale to... Lo- like, from lager... To pale ale. <laughs> Something real funny is happening in Pe- Peppa, you guys. So here's the thing. What they did to try to get Americans on board with pale ale is they would carbonate it. Okay. And they would serve it chilled. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Beer wasn't No, originally... it was carbonated, but like they super carbonated. Oh, like, okay. So like they, they pushed the CO2 into it. Think of like if you it. went to and pulled like <clears throat> uh, a, like a you know, an amber ale or like a brown ale 
it's got a little bit of head on it, right? But if you pour out a pale ale, it's kind of like pouring out a soda. Like, there's bubbles galore in it, right? And it's served cold, right? Where a lot of beer is served kind of chilled. Or if you go over Britain, room temperature, temperature, right? Which helps you taste the flavor. So if it's cold, they're saying, you don't need to taste this. It's just a drink. (laughs) And the carbonation and the chilling was specifically to trick Americans into drinking it because they were so used to like Bud Light, Miller Light, that kind of thing. Um, So now... Uh, craft brewers have increased the alcohol content. Uh, they've tried all these different things. And now, like we said, it's not uncommon to walk into a bar and find like 40 taps. And we're going to tell you, so like, we'll tell you all about the different kinds of ales and what goes in the categories, brands, all that stuff. But first it's time for a word from some other Max Fun shows. This is Amy Mann. And I'm Ted Leo. And we have a podcast called The Art of Process. We've been lucky enough over the past year to talk to some of our friends and acquaintances from across the creative spectrum to find out how they actually work. And so I have to write material that makes sense and makes people laugh. I also have to think about what I'm saying to people. If I kick your ass, I'll make you famous. The fight to get LGBTQ representation in the show. Mm -hmm. We weirdly don't know as many musicians as you would expect. I really just became a political speechwriter by accident. Of realizing that I have accidentally uh, pulled my pants down. <laughs> Listen and subscribe at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcast. It's like if the guinea pig was complicit in helping the scientist. We are so thrilled at your interest in attending Hieronymus Wiggenstaff's School for Heroism and Villainy. Wiggenstaff's beautiful campus boasts state-of-the-art facilities and instructors with real-world experience. We are also proud to say that our alumni have gone on to be professional heroes and villains in the most renowned kingdoms in the world. But of course, you are not applying to the main school, are you? You're applying for our sidekick and henchperson annex. You will still benefit from the school's amazing campus, and you'll have a lifetime of steady employment. Of course, there's no guarantee how long that lifetime will be. Join the McElroys as they return to Dungeons & Dragons with The Adventure Zone Graduation every other Thursday on Maximum Fun or wherever podcasts are found. Okay. So let's talk about different types of like ales. Now, the categories of these, they're they're determined by the like head, which is like the foam, right? The color, okay. malt, hop balance, uh, fermentation stuff. It's a lot, right? All right. And but there's like twelve main types. Twelve? Yes. Okay, so first is the porter, right? Porter is the like dark, deep brown color. Uh, if you hold it up to the light, it probably has some like reddish hues, uh, and it, it is por- that what Guinness is? Uh, Guinness is a stout. Stout, okay. Yeah, okay. Um, now a a porter usually has like a chocolate or like roasted nuts. Um, I really like a porter. Um, let's see. So if you're looking at porters, uh, a brown. Robust Baltic, right? It might be called any of those. A robust ale, uh, porter might be called a brown ale, but probably not because there's a whole other thing called brown ales. <laughs> um, and Can you see through a porter? No. Okay. It is opaque. 
Uh, but like the light, you might get some light filtered through it. Um, and let's see. So then next is the stout, which literally means like firm, strong taste. Um, it's even darker than a porter. Um, and it kind of has a bit of a bitter aroma because the malt is toasted. Mm. Um, the alcohol volume is usually pretty low because it's like so thick. Um, and it's usually like coffee or chocolate. Um, and porters and stouts are usually considered to be like end of meal or like kind of think like chocolate, right? There's chocolate yeah. in them. They're like end of meal things. They're not really the kind They're of thing. They're heavier. So right. you wouldn't want to drink it first before a meal because then you wouldn't have like room in your stomach. Exactly. Um, so then with a stout... Uh, you can often see uh, dry stout, sweet, oatmeal, foreign, or Russian imperial are like kind of the different categories under stout. Okay. Um, so then we move to brown ale, uh, which is a deep copper or brown color, um, a medium body with malty flavor and less hops. Uh, this one, the, the uh, malt is like medium roasted. So it's like a caramel or chocolate-like palette, uh, low hop aroma, medium body, uh, and a little bit of bitterness. Uh, you might see a You know, a lot of this makes sense when you think about coffee roasting, right. too. Yes, 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 So yes. when you roast the grain, then depending upon how dark the roast is, the beer is going to be that dark. Right. Uh, Different categories of brown would be like a mild brown, English brown, American brown. Okay. Um, So now, what color do you think amber or red ales are? Are they red? Yes. Or (laughs) amber. Um, So they have a little more variety to them. Um, They have like a light, medium, light to medium body. um, And they're mostly pretty balanced. I really enjoy. I like a red ale. Um, they're a little bit more hoppy than like a brown ale or stout or a porter. Um, and their flavor can vary from generic to flavor. Like they're a pretty good carrier of flavor. Now I'm sure you're going to get to this, but the hops, you describe it as hoppy or not hoppy. Yes. And you're going to talk about what that flavor really means. So I'll tell you now, right? It, how I always think of it, and I'm sure there are smarter people than me who know more about beer out there who will tell you different, but I always think of it as malt as being uh, a little more grainy, bready flavor, like oatmeal or bread, right? Mm-hmm. Where hops are a little more floral, uh, plants, you know, botanical, mm-hmm. right? So if you've ever had a stout or a porter or brown ale, and it's a little more... It's a lot more like eating a cinnamon roll, right? Where it's like very almost savory, you know? Uh, that is usually like the malt, right? It's like caramel, um, bready, right? Right. Where if you have had like a pale ale, right? They're a lot more hop forward. So that would be a lot more like having, uh, you know, like a fruity something or... <laughs> Peppa's great. Um, you know, like eating blueberries or raspberry, right? Or right. juniper berries. Or juniper. Right, right, right. Floral. Fl- like whiskey versus uh, gin, that kind of thing, right? Yes. Okay. Um, when we're talking about the amber and red ales, there's 
uh, let's see, there's the Irish red, amber ale, and Scottish ale. I really like a Scottish ale. Mm-hmm. I enjoy a Scottish ale. Uh, so now, let's talk about pale ales. The pale ale, not surprising, is going to have a lighter uh, lighter color and it's hop forward, right? Um and I know enough about beer to know that I do not enjoy most pale ales because hops taste like soap to me. Okay. Well, see, that's <laughs> where we're talking about that, like, you, the floral, right? Where, for example, uh, if you've ever watched Great British Bake Off, right? Uh-huh. There, there's all, there, it's, you always have to be careful with, like, lavender and rose and stuff of, like, it translates over into... Soap. It translates over into perfume, right? Very, very easily, um, because a lot of those floral things we do not associate with eating, mm-hmm. right? It's hard to go wrong with chocolate and oatmeal and caramel and that kind of thing. And I, before anybody tweets me, I know that I fluctuate between saying caramel and caramel. That's me. God love me. But <laughs> with when it comes to flowery tastes, right? This is where we're getting into. We, as, like, beer-drinking society, the world, have a, a lot of way to go with pale ale because it's just not necessarily always a flavor we associate with, like, consuming food of any kind, right? Agreed. Okay. Um, but pale ale also represents this – the the – chance for a lot more flavor in ales, right? Because when we're talking about porters and and stouts and stuff, we're talking about pretty dark, um, bready chocolate, right? Feels dense. Right. So the flavor profile can be a lot smaller. Right. Because of the density and the feel in the mouth takes the place of a lot of that. Right. Whereas with the, the pale ales... It's a lot lighter, so there's room for more diversity of flavor. Exactly. Yes, perfect. Um, when we're talking about pale ales, you have American pale ale, Indian pale ale, which is IPA, India pale ale, double imper- double or imperial IPA, um, ordinary bitter, which, <laughs> that's me. Um, <laughs> then you have spe- no, I take it back. I'm special slash best bitter. That's me. Uh, and then you have extra special bitter or ESB. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of variety in the paleo. And this is also where I would say if you're looking to expand uh, your kind of beer profile, what you like, and you've only ever had an IPA, Try an American Pale Ale, try an ESB, try an Imperial. Like. Now, when I watch uh, British TV shows or comedies or whatever, that's usually you hear a pint of bitter, yep. a pint of lager. Right. Those are the two things that they talk about. In, in, in Once again, I'm not British nor an expert, but I believe in uh, British parlance and slang, like bitter and ale become interchangeable. Okay. Right? Um, and lager is a different type of beer. Yes, correct. And we will get to that. Um, and just FYI, uh, Sierra Nevada claims to be like the first, at least American IPA, the first ones in America doing pale ale. Uh, so if you're looking to try a pale ale, you could try that. Uh, I Also, Anchor is a popular one and Stone is a popular one. I like all of those. Um so then we get into strong ales. Um, and this is like a pale ale that's strong. Uh, it's got <laughs> Strong a, in what way? Well, it has a deeper amber color. 
um, color, and it's uh, fruitier flavor, uh, as a little bit uh, sweeter, um, and it can have higher uh, a a higher alcohol content. So, uh, so it's stronger in all the ways. Yeah. Okay. So, like, <laughs> if you ever go to a bar, for example, right? Different alcohol, different beer will be served to you in different glasses. Um, and that's for a lot of different reasons. Some of it's aesthetic. But if you ever see, like, a smaller pour into kind of a goblet, right, instead of, like, a pint glass, mm-hmm. it's almost always because it has a higher alcohol content. And so a le- less goes a longer way. Right. Like when I order um, the Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale. Correct. Right. That I really love. Right. That, I would say, is probably a strong It comes in, in almost like a brandy snifter. Right. Exactly. And interestingly, some strong ales are conditioned in the bottle, mm-hmm. which means they get stronger. Well, they age over time, like wine. Right, where most beer, once it's in the bottle, it is done brewing. Right, right. With some strong ales, it will continue con- to condition in the bottle and can even take on like a sherry-like quality. Okay. Um. So then the uh, so under strong ales, uh, some of the categories include uh American barley wine. English barley wine. Uh, so, oh, which makes sense, right? If it's called a barley wine, exactly, it ages like wine. Okay. In the bottle. Now, a confusing thing. Oh wait, I just made sense of something, and now you're going to confuse me. No, this is a different thing. Okay. In amber red ales, there is the Scottish ale, right? That you spoke of earlier, right? In strong ales, there is Scotch ale. Okay. Different from Scottish ale. Like, yes. right? Scottish? Mm, like the place. Scotch, like the drink. Ah. Scotch ales are stronger, right? That's why they also usually come. And and I would say probably, once again, this is me extrapolating. We're talking about a bourbon ale in a snifter. Scotch ale, it's probably, they're probably cousins, right? Cousins. And also an old ale, right? Okay, yeah. Um, so then we move to Belgian Trappist or Abbey Ales. Do you know what the difference is between a Belgian Trappist or an Abbey Ale? I feel like I've heard the words Belgian White together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, so don't get confused. Okay. We're, after this, we're going to talk about Belgian Ale. Oh. And that's what you're talking about, like a Belgian White. A Trappist... So here's the difference. <laughs> okay. Regulations. Oh, so there semantics. So there is an organization that is called uh, the the Trappist, the International Trappist Association. Oh, boy. That in order for a beer to be called a Trappist ale, it has to be brewed in a Trappist monastery. Oh. And there's only like 11 of those in the world that are recognized by the ITA. Six are in Belgium. Two in the Netherlands, one in Australia, one in Italy, one in the U.S. Um, and m- let me add that. Yep, that's eleven. That's okay. it. Other than that, it has to be called an Abbey Ale, which okay. means it is basically brewed exactly the same way, but it is not brewed in a Trappist monastery. So it's like the champagne thing. Yes, you can only really be called champagne if it's from Champagne. And other people try and do it, but you have to say sparkling wine legally. Yes. Got it. Um, and a Trappist or a an Abbey Ale uh, is 
kind of uh, spicy, dark, fruity. Um, like Christmas cake? Yes, like Christmas cake. Uh, so this is a double or a double, D-U-B-B-E-L, a triple, T-R-I-P-E-L, or a quadruple, <laughs> Q-U-A-D-R-U-P-E-L, right? Those are the different kinds of uh, a Belgian uh, Trappist or Abbey Ale. Then we get to the Belgian Ale, uh, and this is like a gold or coppery color, um, and instead of malt or hops being the star of the show, it, it, they are. this one tends to be your fruity, spicy, or herbal uh, aroma. Um, these are some of my favorites, a golden or blonde, uh, a saison, or a beer de garde. Um, beer garden? <laughs> yeah, gardeny beer, beer. Gardeny beer. Gardeny beer. Vegetable beer. Vegetable beer. And I enjoy them <laughs> immensely. Um, the, uh, these, I, I always think and of these. And these aren't yet the Belgian beers. Well, so this is a Belgian ale. El, okay. And then we're going to talk about a Belgian sour. A lot of beer from Belgium. Ah, yes. Uh, so a Belgian sour tastes like their name implies. Uh, they're brewed in the same flavor forward way, uh, but with the acidity intentionally balanced to be more tart or sour to the taste. Uh, it, like a Belgian Lambic is a popular sour beer. Oh. I, I also think I could not find word for word confirmation of this. But, like, some of my favorite beers now are Goza's, which are, like, a sour beer with, like, a salty yeah. thing going on with them. Uh, they are sour beers, so I think they are Belgian sours. If not, uh, this one you can tweet at me, at Travis McCoy, and let me know. <laughs> this, um, oh, this is that beer, beer that I really like, the Framboise. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, a Lambic. Lambic. Yeah. Mm. Um, also, uh, a, a Flanders Red or a Flanders Brown uh, are types of Belgian sour beers. Um, and then we get into your wheat beers. Um, so wheat beers are typically lighter in appearance uh, and served unfiltered so they can be a little cloudier um, when they're like poured or if you swirl them. Isn't Sam Adams a wheat beer? Uh, I think so. Yeah, it's a type of wheat beer. Or Sam Adams is a brand. They have so many different ones. And that's they do true. have, I think, a cherry wheat. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking um, of. That's the one I like. It's very popular in America and Germany. Um, the traditional German Hefeweizen mm -hmm. is a wheat beer, which is also one of my favorites. I always think Hefeweizen has a little bit of a banana-y flavor I to it. I agree with that. Um, but it can also... Not like a real banana, but like a runtz banana. Yeah, it tastes like the runtz. <laughs> uh, also, it can boast a clove flavor. So the traditional German Hefeweizen is a wheat beer, um, and it has the like clove or banana, right, that we were talking about. And then Americans uh, tend to put uh, like hoppier styles of it and have like a hoppier a hopifizen hopifizen yes um, <laughs> and it now I, is that a real thing or is that a portmanteau you made up I don't know okay <laughs> uh, it feels so real to me but I might have made it up um, and and so I I think that this is a good way to go if you're like looking for like a light summery but very flavorful Drink, right? I love a Hefeweizen. So then number 11 is spontaneously fermented beer. Um, so this is what happens when you get natural with your beer. 
Um, it means instead of guiding the inoculation, which is, you know, yeast and bacteria coming in contact with liquid, a brewer pours the liquid in and leaves the fermentation up to whatever organisms happen to be in the air or the fruit or barrel they're fermenting in. Which seems more of the, like, medieval style. Yes. Where it was just kind of like like a, a yeast that, you know, let's see what happens kind of beer, right? right? You're just letting the yeast happen. Um, so they're incredibly region-specific and yep. special, right? Because you're using the region-specific ale or uh, yeast. So one last one. This is specialty ale. And this is like the fun wild card of the bunch uh, because it's, you know, like like your porters, your stouts, your pale or whatever, but with a new flavor added. Like uh, Blue Moon, where it's the orange flavor? Sure. Um, you know, they can also add lavender or chocolate or peach or a peanut butter or whatever. Yeah, we've, right. you've bought some peanut butter porters. Right. And it's basically any any flavor that, like, you can't get naturally from. So when I talked earlier about, like, porters and stouts having, like, chocolate or oatmeal, right, that is the kind of flavor that comes from toasting the malt right actual chocolate flavor and this we're talking about literally adding chocolate flavor to the beer uh or adding peanut butter flavor to the beer right is this do you know if it's usually done in like extract or is it usually done in like we put some chocolate in it. <laughs> I assume. It's all kinds of different ones. I poured oh, the Hershey's syrup into the beers. I didn't break these down, but I should. So wheat beers, that's a Hefeweizen, Dunkelweizen, uh, American wheat ale, like we were talking about with uh, Sam Adams, your Berliner Weiss or wit beer. Uh, when we talk about spontaneously fermented beer, that's where the Lambic goes. Uh, and your fruit lambic, right? Because you're literally putting fruit in mm-hmm. and letting the yeast develop from the fruit you've put into it. Um, and then specialty ales, that's where you get like herb and spice or fruit, your winter or holiday beers, and sometimes even smoke flavored beers. Okay. (laughs) I like them. So here's some quick do's and don'ts when going to uh, a brewery for the first time. Do ask questions, right? Well, yeah. I mean, if if you're going to have a, like, they even have tours and stuff. Right, tours and right? tastings. Yeah, right. And and a, a lot of places now you can get flights, uh, flights of beer, and they will do tastings for you and tell you like this is what you're tasting in this one, right? Um, especially at like breweries where they are showing off what they have brewed, they're usually pretty excited to tell you about it. If you're going to do a beer flight, always drink the IPA last. They have a strong flavor. Um, and and you you don't want them to overpower the other things you're going to drink, right? Well, wait a minute. I've also heard that you want to drink lightest to darkest. Well, sure. Do that. Drink your IPA last. <laughs> okay, so... Lightest even- to darkest, except the IPA. Except the IPA. Yes. Okay. Um, If you're going to a brewery, listen. A brewery is not a party. You're not at a brewery to slam beers. You're not there to chug, right? This is not Miller Lite. It's not Miller High Life, which don't get me wrong. I like both of those. I like PBR. But if you're going to get something that has a more dense flavor profile, enjoy it. Take your time. Um, if there's a beer you don't enjoy, talk to the brewer and tell them, like, I, you know, it, 
This one tastes like soap to me. Now, here's... Be very careful in this. That's great. What you use there is personal. I will, I, I'm looking for something that's a little more this, or I don't like the way that this tastes like soap to me, right? Not, this is not, you're not giving a note session to the brewer of like, do you know what this beer needs? It needs more of this and less of that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't do that. Um, and that gets us into the, the don'ts. Don't feel like you have to order blindly, right? Here's the secret. As is true with so much etiquette and manners nobody knows everything right even even if you know everything about beer even if you are a beer expert when you walk into a brewery you've never been in before their brews are different so you should still ask questions what you know what kind of what should i know about this beer what do you think of this one how does this compare to say this beer i've had that i've liked right like you don't have to order blindly you don't have to look cool like I said, don't give feedback. You Like, even if you are an expert, don't give feedback unless they want it. Don't ask for a frozen glass. That's not a thing in a brewery, right? Most beers are not meant to be served, like, ice cold frozen. That's the thing. Ah, oh, look at the can. When you see the Blue Mountains, you know that it, <laughs> that's not, no, that's, don't. There, um, but there is something so, like... The, the visual of like the frosty beer mug with the the beer inside sure. and like the head at the top sure. and it's just it's a it's a provoking provocative image yeah but I would I would put that way more with loggers right than okay. I would with an ale so like you wouldn't want to have like a Guinness in a frozen glass that would be so weird what about Guinness float okay maybe <laughs> um, don't ask for a bigger glass. You get the glass that you get. We were talking earlier, the alcohol by volume. If it's higher, they'll probably give it in a smaller glass, right? And if you get it in a smaller glass, savor it. <laughs> um, and it's probably because it's more expensive to make, right? Like you're getting a smaller, not just because it's higher alcohol, you're getting a smaller portion for probably the same price as the other ones because it's more expensive to make. Mom, um, I and BB wants a cookie. So that means it's time to wrap up. I hope that you guys uh, have learned a lot. Okay, BB, we'll get you a cookie in just one second. Can mommy and daddy finish doing their jobs? Okay, she's shaking her head yes. Thanks, producer BB. Um, so I hope you learned a lot from this. We'll talk more in a future episode uh, when we talk about loggers and miscellaneous beers. Uh, but mostly I just want to impart to you the confidence that to try something new, right? If you go to a brewery and you're looking to try something new, don't be afraid. Ask questions. Have fun. Um, and speaking of trying something new, go to MaximumFun.org. Check out all the other amazing shows there. You can also go to McElroy.Family. We have all of the McElroy shows there, as well as you can click on tours to get tickets to upcoming shows. Uh, you can, let's see, go to the McElroyMerch.com to check out all of our McElroy merch. And new merch drops every first of the month, right? That's right. So there's some new merch out now. Uh, if you have topic ideas, you can email them to us, schmannerscast at gmail.com. Uh, if you have any feedback or anything you, I don't know, want to talk about, you can go to Twitter and tweet at us, at SchmannersCast. We may not respond, but still, feel free to tweet at us. That's we totally see cool. Um, thank you, by the way, to Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art. 
Also, thank you to Brent, Brentel Floss Black, for our sweet, sweet theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Also, thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for the cover picture of the Fan Run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. We'd love for you to join if you are looking to give and get excellent advice. Also, thank you to our um, research assistant, Alex. She is just the bomb when it comes to organizing our our chaotic thoughts all together. Um, do people say the bomb anymore? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Is she the bomb? Yes. Okay. All Alex, right. you are the bomb. Uh, and I think that is going to do it for us, so join us again next time. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.